Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. As always, uh, I am here as your Michigan side of things, Brendan, uh, and Jeremy has the Michigan State side of things. How are you, Jeremy? Uh, doing good. I think uh, we're going to shock people on Twitter by being able to get together and do a show this week. Not that you and I are fighting, but uh, it's a mess out there, Brendan. It is an absolute mess. Uh, before we get into that, I would like to tell a story. Um, so today, about 20 minutes before we were set to record, I went uh, to, to the office to get set up. And uh, for those who don't know, most of the shows when we record, I record from my girlfriend Megan's house. Uh, sometimes I'm at my house and I make it work, but usually I'm here. So I got set up to record and realized that my laptop charger was not with me. And my laptop was also uh, on about 3%. So in the zero degree tundra that we are currently living in, I got to go out to my car and drive the five minutes over to my house to grab my charger. <laughs> it was a mess scrambling to record. And yet, still not as big of a you mess the... as Twitter was for the past three days. Oh my God. I just say, it, it's, we've got coaching search mess, we've got Twitter is a mess, and then we've got laptop cords. It's, uh, it's been, a, it's been a, we were talking about before the show, this week has been like three weeks. Um, <laughs> we're not even halfway through this month yet. Wow. Yeah. And we have three Michigan-Michigan State games to cover on top of all of this news. It's going to be a fun episode, Jeremy. Um, before, it is. Before we get into the football stuff and all the one piece of news that we have, I would like to remind everybody that we would greatly appreciate any ratings, any subscriptions to our show on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. We're on all those platforms. So if you could, if you value our show and think we have a cool spot in the Michigan, Michigan state coverage, uh, definitely hit that subscribe button. Definitely give us that five-star rating if you believe that we have earned it. And most importantly, tell your friends because word of mouth, it does a great deal for us. Um, but that's all of the uh, – uh, we'll take from the shutdown full cast and say that's all of our podcast business. I will not sing the song. Um, so let's get into our only piece of news <laughs> we get into, well, the, re the big piece of news for football. Um, it, this one pertains to Michigan hockey, Eric Ciccolini, who has been in and out of the lineup. He's had a couple healthy scratches this year. Uh, he's more of a fourth line contributor is done for the year. He is getting surgery. He's having surgery done on him soon. And it, uh, from what I heard, it was basically a matter of finish the season out or get the surgery after the season and then, um, be late to the 2020, 21 season so he chose to just end his year this week and get the surgery and hopefully he'll be back and ready to go for next season yeah probably seems like a wise decision uh summer between freshman and sophomore year is pretty important don't want to have uh this compound itself into a sophomore year late start so it's really a good time to get some surgery done yep and uh, that's our only news that's not related to something we're going to have to spend an entire segment on. In the news that we are going to have to spend an entire segment on, um, 
we obviously touched on the D'Antonio leaving part last week, but Michigan State has found their replacement for Mark D'Antonio. Uh, it's not easy to follow up a legend, but Mel Tucker will be the one tasked to do so. Um, before we get into all what, what Jeremy thinks, which is probably most important on this hire, uh, and what I think as well, I just want to map out the events because it was wild. I mean, I, I know that at like the bottom of the pit, which was probably Monday afternoon for you guys, uh, I saw you as well as a couple others comparing it to the Tennessee coaching search of last year or maybe two years ago. Uh, I don't think it ever got that bad, but let's go through it. So Mark D'Antonio retires on a Tuesday, or was it Thursday? Uh, it would. Have it was Tuesday. Been last Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah, Tuesday. it was last Tuesday because I was going to the Michigan Ohio State game that same day. So D'Antonio retires on Tuesday. By Wednesday, uh, there were sources saying that. Luke Fickle to MSU is not a done deal yet, but looks very likely to happen. Obviously, we know now with uh, hindsight that that was a bit premature, but those were the reports, and that was kind of the feeling around the Twitter sphere to the point where people were so sure that before he even was hired, um, people among Michigan and Michigan State Twitter were having arguments over Luke Fickle being a good hire in the first place. Uh, I do also want to point out, uh, just for levity of this this podcast, how well Brendan is handling this timeline and being mature, because you just said the word premature on this show, and we did not bring up Rick Pitino. <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Um, and so was Rick. But, for a few seconds. Yeah, <laughs> for a few seconds. Um, but yeah, so uh, people are arguing about whether Luke Fickle is a good hire or not. All in the background of this uh, was several coaches turning MSU down, including Mel Tucker, uh, publicly. And uh, it, it didn't really matter at the time until Monday morning when Luke Fickle, it is announced, is going to stay at Cincinnati, which prompted Michigan State Twitter and, to have a full-on meltdown while Michigan Twitter pointed and laughed. Uh, as somebody who has friends on both sides, as I mean, as we both do, this has been a week that is testing the <laughs> testing the very fabric <laughs> of of us because man, people are just wilding out. But Monday, that's happening. That's when everybody's in the uh, black pit of negative expectations, Michigan State version. Until. Uh, Wednesday, Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, people find out that Mel Tucker, despite uh, publicly turning it down, turns out he would do what almost every human being imaginable do, would do and said, oh, you're going to double my salary? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and took the job. And we'll get into the details of how he left or whatever because a lot of Michigan people are poking fun at it and saying it was crappy and a lot of national people coming out here with some really silly opinions. Um, but that's the timeline of how it worked out. Uh, so Mel Tucker is the new Michigan State coach. He had his press conference last night. Uh, we are recording this on Thursday. So it, so it was Wednesday night he had his press conference. Uh, Friday night he will be at Mon Ice Arena for 
the uh, ceremonial puck drop between Michigan and Michigan State. We'll get to that preview later in the show. And I believe Saturday he's going to be on college game day, which is in East Lansing, as well as at the basketball game against Maryland. Jeremy, thoughts? Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, so I'll I'll give you my kind of uh, spin on it. Uh, I'll be honest, ever since uh, D'Antonio retired last week, and really – pretty much the entire season of 2019, I started to prepare myself for who would I want to uh, take over. And so I'll admit, uh, very tunnel vision into Luke Fickle. Um, you know, as I proclaimed, when I thought that he was going to be the coach, I called it on October 4th, which some Cincinnati people really had fun with, making fun of me on Monday, which... Did you get a cold take? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got searched out. It was fun. Oh, um, man. Yeah, somebody dockaged me. Uh, you know, it's it's whatever. It was. I mean, you know, I can't say that I would do the same. I mean, I'm going to chirp my friends or chirp people I know in my timeline. I don't think I search it out, but you know, whatever. It was fun. Um, but no, I got kind of tunnel vision. So even like guys like Matt Campbell, who I think is a great coach, or people who, if you take out the finances of it, a guy like PJ Fleck just never did anything for me. I just really thought Fickle made. A ton of sense. The Antonio Tree slash Trestle Tree, uh, Midwest guy. Um, you know the program that literally D'Antonio came from. So our last hire 13 years ago comes from that program. So uh, it felt like a really easy marriage to have. Um, you know, I, and even though I had some friends telling me that that I kind of know the fickles a little bit, that his wife is would probably prefer to be in a more metro area, not a huge college town uh, type of setup for the family. I was like, well, you know, money talks, right? Uh, so you can, you can do that. Okay. But um, yeah, so that kind of made Monday pretty bad because when that happens, you just don't really know. I didn't know enough about who I thought we were going to get. Uh, we had to melt down into thinking that Pat Shermer or Brett Bieloma might have to be a stomachable thing. Uh, really stomaching a lot of Bielema there. Yeah, um, I tweeted about Brett Bielema versus Jim Harbaugh for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, just completely as a joke. Because is that not the most hilarious sentence you've ever fucking heard? I, can <laughs> Can you please admit it now that you're not in like an angry, just seeing red? Because at the time you were like, "This is not funny. He cannot be the coach." And I was just no, saying that it. one would be funny. That. See, the BMO one would have been, I think, I think I could have taken that humor. Like, that would have been a funny, a funny, bad joke. Uh, the Butch Jones or Pat Shermer would have, I wouldn't even been able to find the humor in. But the BMO one, yes, I could have found the humor in that. But I, I would have just, I grew up hating the guy so much. It would have been so painful to want him to win games for my football team. Uh, it'd have been like going through Tom Anastas, the football coach. And, uh, and I don't want to relive that, Brendan, <laughs> but yeah. it would have been comical. It would have been, I mean, the first time that I would have gone to like the Brody cafe buffet and seen that guy would have just been my perfect life. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. you go from that to then I, I will be a hundred percent. I knew about Mel Tucker from his time in Alabama, knew about his time in Georgia. Uh, You're a Bears fan. 
didn't. Yeah, but that, that, that era for me, I mean, this is where I think I, it's, I have to come out because there's a lot of Bears fans just saying that he was terrible. Listen, you cannot judge anyone that had to coach in that Mark Trestman era, uh, especially as a defensive coach. <laughs> to be the defensive coordinator on a team where Mark Trestman wanted to throw the ball with Jay, I don't give a fuck, Cutler, 40 times a game. Yeah, I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, so it was two years, you know, he bounced around uh, a little bit, but uh, didn't know enough. And then when I looked into it, uh, and started to watch like his videos or kind of see this press conferences or just, you know, more, more like the way that he talks to his players. Cause as you probably saw yesterday, he's not a huge press conference guy. Uh, got more and more excited. And yeah, I think, I think if you could go back two and a half weeks and tell me, Hey, Mark Antonio is going to retire the day before signing day. You're not going to get your first choice, but you're going to get a guy who's 48 years old uh comes from a pretty great lineage and is one is going to make your recruiting go through the roof compared to what you're used to i'd probably take it uh this was not a normal coaching search which i think when we get into the twitter mess is going to be my main rant is that i think a lot of times people are trying to look at this and say well the contract is this or the search went this way this wasn't coaching search season <laughs> And this wasn't like Bob Stoops stepping down and having a coach in waiting and, you know, Lincoln Riley. You had to hire someone else's coach at a time when it was terrible to be doing so. So, one, we're going to overpay. And, two, it's going to be messy for that coach leaving. That's just the way that it goes. But from an MSU perspective, as a selfish MSU fan, I'm pretty damn happy with the way that it went, and I don't pay the bill. So yeah, no, all you, the all the things that you want to against us, you know, I don't, and 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 I think I've only grown liking it more each day. Like I, I know he wasn't exactly quote winning the press conference with like energy last night, but to me, everything he's done since he got the job has been perfect PR. Uh, going to a hockey game tomorrow. I can tell you, 13 years, never saw Mark Antonio at a hockey game. He's going on his first night. When he still needs the staff, when he still needs to, be fair, to figure out. To be fair, this might be the best MSU team in 13 years. To be fair. Uh, Mark Antonio was here when a national championship team was just done. But oh, you're right. You oh, he got hired in 2007. Oh, never mind. Yeah. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and you know what? The thing I think that amazed me about it was like, I joked on Twitter right away because everyone went to the whole, hey, game day, Breslin, all of that. But I was still doing my shtick like, hey, when they showed Izzo on BTN, who's right behind him, Dan Cole. And I just, it's just cool to see that, yeah, Izzo was a part of the search. Of course, he's going to be along with Coach Tucker. Of course, Coach Tucker is going to go to Breslin. But I think it's just cool that the first thing he's going to go to is a hockey game just because of the way the schedule went. I had no idea, no expectation that he would actually go. I figured he had way too much on his plate. He's not going to go. And now he gets to go to Munn, drop a ceremonial puck, and maybe show that he hates Michigan because it's a game against Michigan. So yeah, we'll uh, definitely I, see I based on how run angry from he the is PR walking away after they lose. Uh, it will be very interesting <laughs> to see. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do want to take a moment though, 
and address some points that we'll just use my section to address address some of the Twitter beef you could say that has taken place once this hire was announced. Yeah, uh, I would say if so. Do you want to cover the actual football part of it after or before we handle the Twitter? Um, let, let's do the football part now. But, so this okay. is part of the thing. People are calling this a panic hire, and I'm not quite there. Uh, but I would argue that any hire that you have to make on February 12th is somewhat of a panic hire, right? Because that is not the no, normal absolutely. time to be without a head coach. And so to, to pick on it for absolutely. being a panic hire, that's still just go make fun of D'Antonio then. Like, what were they supposed mm-hmm. to do? What scenario was here? So I, it's rivalry fodder, and I get it, but I think that's a little bit like just doesn't make that much sense. From a football well, point, thing, I think I, I well, think, to be honest, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't mind taking it from Michigan fans, and I don't mind taking it from Colorado fans. Like, get, like hey, we all lived through it. We went through it without social media, but you know there are people that still hate Nick Saban's guts to this day, and Nick Saban has now placed two football coaches into MSU's life. So, uh, you know, and they still can't stand Nick Saban because of the way that he left uh, in, in between the end of the season and a bowl game in the middle of the night. So I, I totally can take it from Michigan fans. That's rivalry fodder, like you said, um, and, and Colorado fans. But the thing that gets me is just the like national perspective. Like you fly in with no, at least do your research and or at least kind of think about it. Like it's a February search. Unless we hired an unemployed coach or an NFL like coordinator, it was going to be messy. Any college coach was going to be leaving right after the signing day period. And, you know, th- there is no ideal time. It, 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 it's just an awful time to be hiring someone. So, and I think the panic is they see it as, oh, well, and, quote, and here's another thing they're all getting wrong. They say Mel Tucker back, like, was offered and turned it down. He was never offered. He saved face with Colorado and then had to go back on his word, and that's something that Mel Tucker's going to have to live with and overcome. But he was never offered. He, he knew Luke Fickle was the number one guy, and when Luke Fickle went away, we came back to him, and he was still interested. Uh, it's just it's such a creep, but I'll let you finish your, your, your part there. I just had to jump in on that. Cause, yeah, no, no, I, com- I completely understand that. It's the national guys coming in because like, what are you doing? Like, it's yeah. just getting old. It's yeah, getting no. old that MSU seems to be treated so much differently sometimes on non-tragic things. This isn't yeah. a scandal. This isn't anything that you need to jump in harder on this than you do. Cause here's the thing, maybe Colorado hired somebody else's coach. Are you going to jump on that? So harshly too. It's no, gonna have, they're, it's they're not. And it's uh, MSU football has had a reputation in, like you know, with the whole Sparty No thing. And I'm talking pri- prior to D'Antonio, um, right? And I think that the national media, some, not all, because I think there there hasn't been as many, but there are plenty of national writers who are not coming in and throwing shade at Michigan State or Mel Tucker, I think it, it, it's not all. But some national writers do not take predetermined biases of who they think a program is out of play when they talk about them. 
and it, it all comes right. because and I don't, it all comes from a lack of knowledge about what's actually going on. They're just trying to rely on right. those tropes. And but I think it's a part part that, and I think it's a part. Mark Antonio never did any favors for any national media. He's not a personable guy. He wasn't a very accessible that's, guy. That's a good point. Uh, you could probably say the same thing with Jim Harbaugh, right? Like he. He's yeah, not a quirky no, personality. No. So a lot of the same people who are jumping in on MSU also, to be fair to, to the Michigan contingent here, jump down on Michigan all the time too and make some of the same lazy narrative things about paying $9 million to finish third. Or, yeah, Stuart oh, Mandel Michigan really is paid awful. so much money. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Because well, that's a good point. I didn't like, even think about the way he rips on Harbaugh when I see all this stuff. Oh, he's, and, he's always mentioning Harbaugh's salary and and like again msu fans we're gonna do that or or some of us will do that that's rivalry fodder but go back to when you hired jim harbaugh that was the dream hire and yeah you guys haven't won that championship yet but i don't think any michigan fan is mad that you're paying harbaugh what you're what you're paying him any rational i don't think you should be yes yeah and i don't think you should be if you are and and that's why yeah, I wanted to mention like about the the whole salary thing is just an absolute joke, especially for Michigan fans. And I know that there's going to be ones who are going to be like, oh, they get to make jokes about Harbaugh's salary, but we can't chime in. And I'm saying, okay, you didn't like it when they made jokes about Harbaugh's salary. It's one thing to just be like, oh, like how about it now? And they can have that con- and then have that conversation. But to to do the same thing and rely on the same logic for an argument that you think the logic doesn't work for when it's the other way around is just silly. That was the biggest one to me um, that like, I don't want to stand behind. Like, why are we making fun of how much we're, they're paying him? It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah sorry I to think... interrupt. That was just something that like I've seen all over Twitter the last no, couple no. Days, and I just don't get and, it. And I think the hardest, I think the reason it gets me so frustrated is it, it is different now that it involves my coach, right? But I always thought the hardball thing was stupid too. The only time I want to talk about money in sports is if you're in a sport and we're talking about a salary cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beyond that, beyond that, in pro sports, it's billionaires paying for it. I don't give a damn what they have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like the whole Red Sox thing with Mookie Betts annoyed me because it was like, you know what? I don't care, John Henry. You have the money. I want to be a fan. I want to watch a team that's going to win games. I, yeah, I'm not running your There's no budget. cap in the MLB, right? No, there's the luxury tax. But oh, I gotcha. Yeah, and that's why it was making me upset. It was like, just pay the money. I don't really care. John, I'm gonna, I want to watch a good baseball team. I'm not the one paying the bill. And that's kind of how I feel here. Like, yeah, okay, granted season tickets go up like we do pay for it sometimes in the end in certain ways but when it's not a part of the actual competitiveness of the game like it's not like hey we gave that guy too much money and we now can't afford a third pair of defensemen that's something that's relevant to bring up the money when it's something like this it's like it's not it's it's relevant for three seconds but we haven't had to hit anyone talk about well What's Mel going to bring from recruiting? What's Mel going to bring from putting a staff together? Could this be a good hire, like, schematically? No one wants to talk about that because they just want to talk about the optics. And then sports writers nationally get mad that they get made fun of or that people say that they're just hacks or out for clicks when they don't give us any substance. Yeah. And you know what? That's those are all great points. Let, let's get to the football of this because I think this is a really interesting hire. Um, let me start the conversation with this. I think 
that this is a very low floor, high ceiling hire. I think this could go very poorly, and I also think it could go very well. Um, uh, would you agree with that sentiment or not? Yeah, I think the low floor is fair because we don't have a ton of, you know, we have one season of head coach experience. Exactly. We have, and that's it. Like It's hard to replace the guy, right? And that's the thing, too. Like, he could do pretty well, but when we have to hold it up to D'Antonio, it could look low floor, especially that Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are in the situation exactly. that they are in. It's, it's it, a- it could be a low floor where you're like, eight wins is the good season. And, and when you compare it to the highs of D'Antonio, I think that's very fair. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I didn't think I was off base because there are certain points, like, we just don't have enough data of him as a head coach. So we just don't know how it's going to work. You add in the fact that you're playing in the Big Ten East. You add in the fact that it is I, it is a full rebuild roster-wise. Um, mm-hmm. So – I and I don't want to hear like we have one season of data and I heard a lot of stuff about you know he misutilized the wide receiver I don't really care I I know that he had a talented offense and it didn't go very well I I think it's so hard to judge when you try and bring in a whole new program in your first year that using just the raw numbers is not a perfect science if you've watched all those Colorado games and believe it then let me know then you can get in my mentions um so but at the, so he could have a high ceiling. I also think it matters uh, what assistance he hires, right? And obviously, MSU has given him a lot of money to make those, to make really good hires. And I think that's great to see um, if you're a state fan, obviously, just because it feels like the allowance of money going to football is going to be significantly more than it was under D'Antonio. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so it's... I think it's all about how they allocate it too. Uh, so last year, D'Antonio's assistant pool was at about four point nine million, um, and I think this pool is going to be rumored at about six. And we don't know for sure how that's going to be allocated. Like, do analysts count from that pool? Um, D'Antonio didn't really have very many of those like off-field coaches, like a Michigan or Alabama um, have started to hire. So I don't know if we're going to, you know, utilize that a lot. Um, but the the problem I think that D'Antonio ran into was of that 4.9, a lot of it was towards like two or three coaches. Um, Dave Warner was a large chunk. Mike Tressel was, I think, pretty fairly a large chunk of it. Uh, but then everyone else was kind of minimum, mediocre pay. Uh, and it kind of, you know, led to mediocre results in a way. Um so so that's going to be the big deal. Is I think it's an increase in the salary for the assistant pool, but it's also an increase in certain ways of they're now going to have three strength coaches instead of one and things like that that are, from a programmatic perspective, a huge jump ahead. Yeah, and, and that will play a large factor into how this goes. And I think that's really impressive of – of the athletic department or the board of trustees or whoever the hell is making the decisions right now um, to actually recognize that for this to go well, they can't just hire a young, inspiring head coach. You got to go and make sure he's surrounded, kind of like Michigan did with Juwan Howard. He has to be surrounded by guys who are going to help him succeed. 
And um, I, I'm not sure the Phil Martelli analogy works to anybody because I'm not sure he's just going to go and get somebody who's been in the game for a really long time and guide him as an assistant coach. But still, it will be so important to get him help on the recruiting trails, get, get some good recruiters in, and generally just people who know what they're doing and are going to set these kids to succeed. Um, do we want to get into names for assistant coaches or should we save that for next week when we actually know? Uh, I think there's really only one to two names that have even been out there. I think it's important probably one to address who's not going to be on staff. Um, you know, Ken Manny, the strength and conditioning coach who it was kind of like D'Antonio was kind of felt that he was reaching towards time for retirement did announce today that he is retiring. Uh, he did say that he's, told family and friends this for months so it does not appear like he was like go or forced out by uh by the new coaching hire um so that's one replacement uh that's gonna gonna be a pretty important one for Mel Tucker he comes from the Saban and Kirby Smart tree where they really do value the strength and conditioning being the backbone of the program uh so that's gonna be an important hire I haven't heard any names about what that you know is, is expected to be um also, we have uh, Ron Burton is rumored to be going to Indiana as the defensive line coach and co-DC. So that was one name that some MSU fans were hoping might stick around, and he is gone. Uh, and Terry Samuel, who was the demoted coach from wide receivers to be back, uh, is now on staff at UNLV. So we know those guys for sure are, are not coming back. Um, and the names that have been rumored to come in, the one that's out there uh, the most is uh, Mero, who is the tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator for uh, Vincent Mero uh, for the University of Kentucky. Um, he would be a huge hire. The rumor is that they've offered him a million dollars to be tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator here uh, with an associate coach title. So that's clearly a new, a new age when MSU is hiring that they're giving that much money for a non-coordinator <laughs> position. Yeah. Um, the other name that's been mentioned is actually another Kentucky staff member that uh, is seen as possibly like a fallback to Merrill is Steve Klinkscale, who's on their staff as well as their defensive backs coach, but also uh, has been their primary recruiter in Michigan. Uh, he recruited Justin Rogers, the top-ranked Michigan player this year, to go to Kentucky, and he's really been a big recruiter in like the Cast Tech, MLK, uh, Detroit area schools. So um, I think a lot of places have said that he might be a logical, you know, if Kentucky opens up their, uh, opens up the bag to keep Vincent Merrow, they may not be able to match any offer for clink scale. So those are the two names I've seen out there. I think beyond that, um, you know, one of the, the real criticisms of D'Antonio and even he said so himself was his Rolodex was pretty small. Uh, one benefit to, all of these stops that Mel Tucker has been is he's probably got a pretty large Rolodex of a mix of NFL and NCAA coaches that he could call. So haven't seen too many other names linked. Uh, those have been kind of the ones I've seen so far. Yeah. And uh, that was a really good rundown. So um, do we have anything else we want to say on this topic before we head into other very important things? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, what, just to kind of wrap up on like a positivity note, it, you know, we've been doing this show since before the season started. Uh, even as we went through it, I said that I'd be okay with Mark Antonio back. And I, I still believe that I would have been, but it is 
drastically different how much more I'm looking forward to 2020. Um, even though I don't think the wins are going to change. Heck, we may even lose a little bit more because you have a new coach trying to set his way in. Uh, but to be honest, instead of thinking that I'm looking at 2020 as like the swan song of Antonio and it going out kind of ugly, now I get to be excited about a new season. And I think, uh, you know, as much as I, I know Michigan fans probably are going to miss the, uh, the chance to really watch Antonio struggle, I think it's good for the rivalry too that uh, we have two, you know, one coach is a possibly promising coach in Mel Tucker, Harbaugh's established, but I think, uh, I think this could be a good little era for the, the rivalry again. Yeah, I, I very much think it could be. Um, and in terms of my final thoughts on it, I am impressed with Michigan State pulling this off because of timing. I have my doubts about how successful this tenure is going to be, but uh, that's mainly due to lack of information. So uh, that's all I have. Um, let's head on to Michigan versus Michigan State basketball, which occurred um, five days ago. Four days ago? Five. Uh, Michigan obviously earned their – Juwan Howard got his first win over Tom Izzo with a 77-68 victory at the Chrysler Center. Uh, probably the best performer of the game was Jeff Jackson with 16 points, eight assists, and a pretty solid defensive game. And for those who didn't catch that reference, Jeff Jackson is Xavier Simpson. Um Y'all asked for that. That's all I'm saying is you, y'all asked for that. <laughs> well, we asked for it, and I think that's a smart game plan, right? Like, I mean, I, I take losing that way. If, if Xavier is going to sink his shots, I'll take that over pursuit. Okay. No, 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 no. And then other guys are open. But, no, and I know what you're saying. The Jeff Jackson jokes are how we earned that one. Yeah, yeah, well, from yeah. From a basketball perspective, that's the right – the right tactic. So yeah, I just MSU fans learned that one. <laughs> they so, so it. I was gonna save that till the end, but let's get into that right now. I forgot to put it on the outline. Um, Tom Izzo in the postgame presser was giving some of my favorite quotes of the year. Uh, I'm actually gonna disagree with you on the Xavier Simpson thing. He's a 35 per, or 36 percent three point shooter on the year. Um, I know that his past struggles make it enticing and his ugly shooting form make it enticing. But, like, if you remove a name from Xavier Simpson and just say you're going to give the 36% three-point shooter uh, 15 feet to shoot every time he gets a ball at the perimeter, I- I'm not so sure. Like, and that was a big thing Izzo complained about was Simpson making his shots and his guys not making theirs and uh, all that. And he also gave an all-time answer when somebody asked a genuine basketball question saying, hey, what is the difference? Like, with Isaiah Livers on the court, how different are they to guard and game plan against? And he said, how different would we be with Josh Langford, who hasn't played in, like, 15 months? Um. I just I know oh, that you're probably gonna that's defend him he here, but Izzo. No, no, that's just there's no defending. That's just who he is. That's you, you just grow accustomed to it. Of like, yeah, nope. Okay, nope. 
doesn't okay. give good answers. He, okay. He could share so much basketball insight there, and he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing. I'm genuinely curious, and, and we'll get into that when we start talking about Northwestern and maybe what is going forward for Michigan basketball. But, like, uh, like Isaiah Levers being there, he does a lot of things. Like, how do you differently game plan? But the whole Xavier Simpson thing, I get it in principle. It worked last year, but he has improved his three-point shot significantly. Uh, especially when you're giving them that much room uh, at home on the road. I might disagree because uh, he can get a little bit in his own head. You can kind of see on the road with his shooting if he doesn't start to see some fall, but at home, I wasn't that surprised to see him go four of seven, which with all the jokes, he was on the receiving end all week. It just made me so happy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a great way to go out for the Simpson. We were talking about the Simpson versus Winston. Maybe this was the last time. You know, good for Xavier. He went out there. and Not only is it the last one, but he got you. Got his ticket to MSU fans. Uh, yeah. Had a little bit of fun with his adversity. Well, quote adversity. It's, it's self-caused adversity. But, yes. Uh, yes. But with the, with the jokes he had to take, I, I love it, man. That's, I, yeah, that's great. it was super entertaining, too. And um, even, like, some of the Michigan State fans that got into Chrysler – were chanting Jeff at him when he got on the free throw line, uh, which is so funny. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a, a hell of a game from Xavier Simpson. He did not want to go out on five straight losses to Cassius. And so it was really cool to see him get that win in the way he did. I want to talk about the other end of the court, though, in this game. Because Juwan's defensive game plan against Cassius Winston, A, having Eli Brooks guard him instead of Xavier Simpson, and then B, uh, what he did on all the ball screens and forcing Cassius to turn so many times. Uh, Obviously, Cassius gets his. He gets 20 points, but I think it's on 21 shot equivalents. Yeah, I mean, I only call it – this is where I have to – Tell the uh, to the listeners that I have not in depth seen the whole game yet. Still, uh, but no, from what I saw, no good looks. Uh, they weren't able to run their ball screen offense. It's been good. Uh, no great pick or pop looks for pick and pop looks rather for Xavier Tillman. Uh, the things that have worked in the four game winning streak over Michigan, none of it was there from what I saw. Um, you know, Ed, deep into the shot clock on every possession. Uh, they weren't getting out in transition with their transition. Like, that's what killed Michigan last time was the transition defense. They were so and good in transition. Michigan was, they were. was so good. Franz so Wagner didn't have a huge offensive day, but um, defensively his hands were everywhere. He uh, just put a lot of effort in, boxed a lot of people out. So I, I haven't got to mention it on the pod yet, but I have started the hashtag Franz Fan Club. On Twitter, if you would like to join, simply tweet at me that you are joining the hashtag Franz Fan Club. Because wait, don't you run two now? Do I? I thought you were the David Julius fan club guy. I'm. Julius I love Marble. David Julius, but I'm not gonna. Come he on. hasn't earned the fan club yet because. Oh I, my. I mean, he's so much fun to watch, but he's just not that efficient. Breaking. Like. I, Breaking. <laughs> listen, he's a year away. I think he's going to be a blast to watch next year as an upperclassman uh, actually running the show. I'm just not there yet. Franz, 
if he figures out his three-point shot, I swear to God he's going to be a Big Ten Player of the Year contender. The way he plays defensively, if he can build a little bit more muscle and fix his three-point shot, which seems easily fixable considering what he was doing in Germany last year, man, he is good, especially he's gotten more confidence driving and kicking out. Yeah, he's going to be fun. Um, but he had a good defensive game. This was just a, a huge game for Michigan, and part of that is you get Isaiah Livers back, um, and he comes back with a strong 14 points on only 10 shots. Uh, he gets a couple rebounds. He has that huge block at the end of the game. Just an, uh, not even an unbelievable performance from Isaiah, but just having him back is so nice. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I think it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, it, he uh, – you know, we knew it from the struggles that Michigan had when he was out, and it wasn't overstated. It, it, he makes all the difference. Even even to think about, you know, the game where he does get re-injured, if he doesn't get injured, they probably close out that win over Illinois. So, oh, yeah. I mean, like – he He's such a huge – especially when you take out even – especially when you factor in uh, the, the – momentum that's lost when his, when his teammates see him get re-injured mm-hmm. you know you, you add that Illinois win uh they're undefeated since he's back here you know granted the Northwestern win is not uh probably needed to have Isaiah Livers but no I, I think his importance was not overstated in his yeah. absence so yeah I I agree with you so let's talk about that Northwestern win actually um, I know I put Michigan State, Illinois next, but I figured while we're on Isaiah Livers, we might as well get through sure. all of this. Um, so uh, they did what they're supposed to do. They beat Northwestern by 25. However, a lot of good teams have not been doing that. They, they've been beating Northwestern, but they have made them work for it. So to see a 25-point win was really, really good for Michigan. Let me pull up the box score as well because – this one, Isaiah Livers, he gets the Ken Palm MVP uh, honors with 17 points despite going 0-5 from three. He has two just ridiculous dunks that were awesome. I mean, it was a really good performance for Michigan considering they didn't hit a shot for four and a half or five minutes and uh, trailed 13-6 to six, almost eight minutes into the game. So uh, really good performance. So, so they're two and zero since Isaiah's back. They've won four out of their last five. I think it's time to talk about what is this Michigan team with Flivers back. Um, according to Bart Torvik, who I saw on Twitter today, went through and uh, did the splits for Michigan for with and without Livers. Obviously, it was really difficult considering, like, how do you include the Illinois game, um, and. Michigan with Levers is, I think, the 10th or 11th team in efficiency in the country, and without was about 33rd. Uh, so, I mean, that's huge. You know what I think really factors into that outside of just getting Isaiah Levers back? Brandon Johns is now the backup power forward. He, we may look at this at the end of the year for Michigan's perspective and think that the Levers injury might have been good for this team long term depending on what they can do down the stretch and I'm not trying to say that after one Michigan State win I'm ready to say we have a shot at the national title but 
I I think the cards are on the table for a decent tournament run. And I think one of the big things is Brandon Johns got thrown into the fire and it started out a little bit rough, but by the end of it, he was like the MVP of a game in a neutral site game against a ranked team in Rutgers. He became a pretty passable starting power forward. And now he gets to be the backup. And I think that's huge, huge for this team where livers, Teske and Xavier could all not be on the court. And it's not like the beginning of the year where I was panicking. I'm like, okay, got Dave out there at point, Brandon out there at power forward, and Austin Davis. Somehow I'm happy with him at backup center. Uh, I, the injury sucked, but I think it might have been huge for this team. We'll have to see how far this run goes. Yeah, I think I think everything you said makes a ton of sense. It's it's fun to see Michigan kind of peaking, peaking at the right time like they did you know, so many years under beeline, this is when they would start to peak. And, and even though the coaches change, uh, the players on this roster know what it's like to peak at this time. And they know, they know what to do and it come this time of year. So I think it's exciting to see, uh, see, can they get back to some of that promise they showed coming off the, uh, the win in Atlantis. It's, it'll be a, an interesting last month leading into the tournament time. Yeah, it definitely will be. Um, and that month starts with Indiana on Sunday and then Rutgers at the rack on Wednesday, but let's wait before we get into that. Let's talk about the absolute insanity that was Michigan state, Illinois on Tuesday night, because I bet this game, I I picked Illinois plus two and a half points. I turned it off at the end of the first half because I thought the bet was dead and would rather play FIFA and then had to turn it back on in which I won, but Illinois still lost. Hey, How was this from won, your perspective? Cause, I... Cause this was intense, like intense and like, uh, like nerve inducing from mine as a neutral. <laughs> I mean, I'm not neutral cause I bet on Illinois, but you know what I mean? Like the, I bet a dollar. There's no stakes there. How was this for you? Uh, so it was a little bit strange. I mean, I, I think basketball is probably the one sport that I stay the, I, I can stay the most calm in a way. Uh, I don't know what, it's probably mostly just out of, out of my, my lack of understanding of what's going on to begin with, uh, to be honest. But you go in pregame, you're thinking, okay, we really struggled on the road. We've lost three in a row. I don't know. You know, Illinois is a talented team pretty low expectations going in and then you come out and it's like, okay, but what we really struggled with on the road games is slow starts. Come out to a quick start. Everything's clicking. Uh, you, you know, get that out of your system right away. Like, okay, this is not going to be a typical road game. Um, but I'll have to admit, even when we were up 20, I did not think we were going to close that out easily. Uh, Illinois played about as bad of a first half as you could, which it, I think this one, unlike the Minnesota game, Minnesota game, they were just missing a lot of open shots. And MSU is pretty lucky that they didn't get blown out early in the game. In this case, I thought that Illinois wasn't playing great, but a lot of it was MSU cost. Um, but you knew that IO was not going to be awful for two halves. Uh, but I think the difference in the game for MSU is they didn't really let Kofi Coburn do much for the second time. And on top of that, they just really held IO 
silent for 20 minutes, which is, which is it made all of a bit of difference because outside of a uh, last second, you know, slip and fall, I almost single handedly won them that game. So he that did. 20 minutes made a big difference. And, um, you know, not I, 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 when I say this, I know it might sound like sour grapes uh, just because of where my fan alliance is lean uh, and like trying to take away the win from MSU. And it's not, um, I was just watching, I watched a replay of that fine, that Tillman uh, dunk and was like, how could that have happened? There was nobody there. It, the difference in this game was Kofi Coburn going up to try and block a high glass shot from Cassius instead of boxing out Xavier Tillman. And that was it. Like, yeah. That was the difference at the end. And I know it all came down to that play and a complete mental lapse from Kofi Coburn. Um, but is it a, again, not a basketball guy. And I, and I think he's, it's easy to say on the video, they clearly did, they did over pursue and make a mistake there. But I think a part of that is just, I, and natural, you know, it's going to be in Cash Winston's hands, right? And they threw everything at not letting Cash just be the guy to beat him. And uh, and and I don't know, I can't tell. To me, live, I don't, I wouldn't say that it was set to be that way, but I thought Cash was throwing it high off the glass on purpose. He was not trying to make that shot. Um, and so to me, that was part of it too. I just thought. What a great play from Cassius to know if I go to try and make this shot, it's ending up in the fourth row. Uh, so I'm just going to throw it off the glass and hope that we either scramble for a rebound or the play that could happen happened. That's really interesting. I'd love, we need to be credentialed so we can talk to Cassius Winston and go through his mind. Cause I, <laughs> I, did, I didn't see it that way, really but think it, it, it completely the, the makes angle sense. From the, the angle from the backboard makes it look like that was the play gotcha. um but but it even live like i said in live i am definitely not going to be good at breaking down basketball live it almost looked too perfectly done to think that he was trying you know because when you're trying to make that shot i think it hits the glass and it hits the front of the rim and maybe tillman has to adjust in the air or he knows that's going to happen but it it was thrown so high off the glass that it's going to be an easy clean catch and and dunk so it, i i do kind of wonder if he adjusted on the drive to to throw it high yeah that's really interesting that's a that's a really interesting perspective i just hadn't thought of uh completely um yeah so that was a crazy ass game i am happy for you guys uh just because that was uh a moment you know that you guys will be able to hold on to for this season. You, you always look for the moments, like, right, in the Michigan-Michigan State game on our end, uh, it was probably that Teske alley-oop. Or, and the one you guys won, I think there was a play where Cassius does some crazy turnaround, uh, like, dribbles through, like, two or three people and then hits a turnaround three. Right, made the it one like on 20, the baseline. Yeah, the yeah. one where it ended up being like a 20-point game, and I'm pretty sure the building started toppling over on itself. Um, it, it, so, like, it, it's cool for to see when you guys get these moments, especially after the rough week you had. After the coaching hire was made in the morning, I felt less bad for you guys. But, um, 
it, no, like having your number one guy go, and then you think that two, That's three, true. four, and five are all gone, coinciding with being on a three-game losing streak in basketball with the most recent one coming to Michigan, I genuinely was like, all right, I won my bet. I'm happy. Good for them. Like, that's, they needed that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a much different experience going to bed Tuesday night versus uh, Monday night, and then it just continued to climb into Wednesday night. So it's been, it's been a ride. Yeah, sports are fucking cool, man. I love it. <laughs> um, all right, so let's – couple notes on our games for next week, I'd say. Um, so Michigan State has Maryland and Nebraska coming up. We might get another pot out uh, before that Nebraska game because it's on a Thursday night, so maybe maybe we'll do a lunchtime pod that week or something. But um, Maryland and Nebraska, what are your thoughts on these games? Yeah, so I'll just kind of run. So uh, since we had so much to break down, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. We'll probably keep I'll keep mine a little light here on the the breaking down. I think for Maryland, I have not seen them, and I remember I gave up on them early in the season when they had twins that wanted to get out of the program, and I just thought this was going to be a mess. I've never respected Mark Turgeon, and they've quietly done what I really thought they were going to do preseason, which is be the team that challenged you know preseason. I thought they were going to be the team to challenge MSU for the Big Ten title, and now it's kind of like MSU needs to win Saturday to have any shot at keeping Maryland from being the team to run away with it, um, you know, and, and Penn State like we all thought preseason, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, it's they've just been on a tear. Um, they, you know, looking at their advanced stats, they are one of the better defensive teams in the country. Uh, so that'll be, I think, a matchup that's really interesting with MSU maybe not having as bad as an offense as the ESPN announcers wanted to talk about the other night, uh, but it also is really two guys that are making it go. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we get points against Maryland uh, and hopefully get to utilize a what should have already been a pretty fired-up home crowd with college game day and a 6 o'clock start. Uh, then you add in probably – a lot of Mel Tucker going on and the 2000 championship team being there with a beautiful Greek jerseys back. Uh, it should be an interesting time. Yeah. I so, cannot wait. Well, I'm, I cannot wait to follow this game while I'm at work. I wish I didn't have to work during it, but uh, I think this one's going to be really good. It has the makings for an exciting game, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see state absolutely blow the doors off this Maryland team. Maryland had to yeah. play a depleted Nebraska team on Tuesday. And if you're playing Nebraska at home, you should just be whooping on them regardless. When you're playing a depleted Nebraska, this game should have been over by halftime. And they had to eke out a 72-70 win. I just feel like they're going to have a little bit of doubt going on from that. And then you have to go into the Breslin Center where if MSU gets a hot start, gets up eight, ten points at some point in the first half, I feel like they'll start to feel the walls crumbling around them, and I don't think it'll go well. Yeah, I hope I hope you're right. I think uh, that's, the quick start is going to be the main thing for MSU. I think that's going to be super important. And then speaking of Nebraska looking ahead, uh, honestly, not much to preview <laughs> there for me. Uh, the thing I wrote down, I think, in the notes was that 
MSU fans, just prepare yourself. Cam Mack is going to make some ridiculous shots. He's going to put up some insane amount of points, but not efficiently. Uh, he loves to play hero ball, and I love watching him play his hero ball. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't think we have to worry about losing that game by any means. But uh, but just just know that you're going to be fresh. There's going to be a meltdown on Twitter at some point about Cam Mack having like 23 points in the in like. 10 minutes to go in the game. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's as somebody who has watched my team play Nebraska on the road without two of our three best players um, and still get a comfortable win. Yeah. There's nothing to preview. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let's Michigan has Indiana on Sunday, Rutgers on Wednesday. First with Indiana, uh, the big thing here for Michigan is a win would, A, get them back to 500 in the league, which for a team who I was walking out of Chrysler uh, last Tuesday, and it was like, man, we're 4-7, and seven, and the next team we have to play is Cassius Winston-led Michigan State, who's won four in a row on us. Felt real bad. I was genuinely wondering if this team would ever get back to 500. And so that would be a big win. Um, and B, uh, a win on Sunday would make Xavier Simpson and John Teske the most win- the winningest Michigan basketball players in program history. So that uh, obviously with the whole season coming up and uh, Nebraska is still on the schedule again, they will get that record eventually. But uh, hopefully they can get it Sunday. Um, in terms of what IU is presenting. They've lost four straight going into tonight. They're currently playing Iowa at home. Um, and they are currently up like 10 to 12 points on Iowa, actually. So uh, it looks like they're probably going to be coming off a home home win against Iowa with a little bit of momentum. But honestly, I'm not too upset about it because I feel like if they would have lost tonight, the desperation mode goes up even further on Sunday. So we'll see. Um, I think it's a must win if you want to keep this role going, if you want to feel good about yourself going into the NCAA tournament, this would be an important win. So that's how I feel on that. The Rutgers game, obviously they've already played once, Michigan beating them at a neutral court. Um, it would be pretty cool to see them be the first team of the year to win a, an away game at the rack but I don't really have high hopes for it. Michigan hasn't been great on the road. Obviously, they're, um, they'll get some slow starts on the road, as we saw against Northwestern, uh, starting 0 from 11 from the field. And you can't do that at the rack. That place will smother you because this fan base, small as it is, is dying to see any winning team at all. Um, they fence the garden. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, I see, I view the Rutgers game next week as uh, number one of four in opportunities to steal a road game that would get Michigan to a ten and ten finish, provided they win their home ones. So uh, it would be awesome to get one of those where you can finish ten and ten. Um, it'd be just incredible to get to. So that's opportunity number one. And that's all I got. Uh, we ready to head into hockey because. We don't get to just blow over this week for that either. I was say I think we'll have to probably we'll uh, we'll be lighter on the uh, the recaps, but we got a big preview here for that weekend too. Yeah, 
Um, I just talked for a long time in a row. So why don't you start with what happened with Michigan State and Minnesota? It was a uh, they, they split the series, but I didn't get to watch any of it. Yeah, so Friday night uh, was the loss. They in uh, that night I was in the rink uh, actually myself, so uh, did not pull up on BTN Plus to watch that. Um, looked like they were pretty well dominated. I think uh, uh, they ended up being a three-one, maybe a four-one with an empty night goal. Just not a great uh, Friday night effort, which is a little bit different because they've been a pretty good Friday night team most weekends. Uh, so that was kind of deflating, and it put a lot of pressure on Saturday. Um, but they were a pretty good team Saturday. I think, uh, you know, they battled back. They fell down one nothing, battled back to get it tied, uh, then lost the lead just a couple minutes later. Um, and I want to take a minute to just laugh at the Minnesota broadcast team because, Brendan, they don't listen to the show. Uh, they were talking Shocking. about before the third period began that uh, Minnesota was such a good third period team and MSU fails to uh, make comebacks, Brendan. They said that <laughs> MSU fails to make comebacks. Those this idiots. is an MSU team that three games in a row earlier this year made third period comebacks. So yeah. Minnesota, state of hockey, not the state of intelligence. Um, yeah, no kidding. You know, what a, oh, that drives me crazy because that was literally this team's reputation for like a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no idea. That is the whole thing is that they come back and promptly MSU put three goals up on them in the third period. Uh, with some depth scoring, it wasn't just, you know, the first line doing it. It was Tommy Miller, who started the most sound defenseman on the team, getting a goal. Dennis Sasana, who's the most offensive defenseman, getting a goal. And then a grinder like Brody Stevens getting a goal. So it was a really solid third period. I think at one point they were out shooting Minnesota 12-1 to in the third. Uh, so just, you know, team, that's a tough thing to do. You go five periods into the weekend, you're – 20 minutes away from being swept on the road at a, a place that should be tough to play, but it's almost tough right now because there's seven people in the whole arena. And, uh, yeah, they, they had their best period of the weekend, and it made all the difference because they came out of that weekend two points off of first place, but with the teams ahead of them having games in hand. So uh, they, they have the you know, destinies in their own hands that they – win out more than they lose, depending on how the results around them go, they can absolutely, you know, if they just win every game, they're going to be the champions. So yeah, uh, that's a good um, place to be in mid-February. Yeah, it is a good place to be. And despite early struggles, Michigan is in the exact same place, not points wise. They're not in the thick of it, but uh, with only six games to go, the fact that after such a bad start, if Michigan wins all six games, they will hang a banner. That is not like that is mathematically true. They still control their own destiny. It's just insane because I would, I mean, <laughs> with how the start went, we we did could not have said the same thing. You would have told me by this series, back when right uh, in November or early December when they lost like six in a row, I would have told you you're insane if that I was saying this the day before Valentine's Day. Yeah, so I guess kind of transitioning into uh, to Michigan Top Street, you know, they had, a, they had a sweep last weekend. What's been the difference like in, in how this team's been doing it now? They, they definitely just have an added jump. A couple players have just picked up their game entirely. Lockwood is now playing like the senior captain we thought he was going to be. Uh, going into the year 
Um, Jacob Hayhurst, who is a grad transfer, who was very quiet the first bit of the year, has come on strong and now looks like a legitimate top-line winger. And then uh, the emergence of Nick Granowitz, too, who gets a hat trick against Wisconsin. Wasn't even playing in games. Got his first run of action in January. And now is, uh, I think, has five or six goals in like eight to ten games. So it's just a really impressive emergence from a few players. Um, and then, yeah, some of those depth scorers are just getting one or two at a time all over the roster. And obviously, Strassman has kept his play up. Um, Against Wisconsin, though, they have some bad goaltending, Jeremy. Like, so here's the thing: I I used to think that, and at this point, it was like, okay, well, you know, they had some bad goaltending. At this point, I'm just convinced that, despite having talent on the blue line, there is something with their system that I don't know what oh, it is. Granado sucks. They got so many chances. They scored eight goals on Friday, like. <laughs> I well, it's that's, crazy. That's burying the lead. It was one to nothing after the first. They scored seven over two periods. That's that's the yeah. So oh. so I'll, the Friday also, game. Granado's a humongous dick. Uh, listen, folks. I only coached one year of high school hockey. I do a lot of scouting. I, I realize I'm not a coach all the time, but you know, here's one thing: your goalie gives up a goal with 16 seconds left in the period. You pull them in between periods. You don't do it then. <laughs> God, Granado sucks. I'm glad that they finished last. He is a tool. They are so bad. Yeah, so Michigan is in a game on Friday night where it's uh, – I think they get up 3-1 on them, but then it's 3-2, and then it's 4-2, and then it's 4-3, and then it's 5-3, and then it's 5-4, and they will just not go away. No, it actually never got to 5-4. After 5-3 – they proceeded to hang eight on them before just getting another goal scored on them later in the game. But uh, an 8-4 victory where they scored a lot in the third period. The student section was electric with the it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine chant uh, to singing that along for the last minute of play uh, to take us into the finish. Really great atmosphere. And then Saturday they went and didn't do the same thing, but it was never really close in either game. This is all despite Cole Caulfield is unbelievable. Like, NHL GMs are so fucking stupid. How do you let this kid slip to 15? I mean, it's not like he's in juniors doing what he's doing. Like, over in uh, Canada, I I know it's a higher skill level in the O, um, but, you know, it's all kids. He's doing this against some adult bodies, too. He's crazy good. I wrote in our notes that uh, Cole Caulfield is something else in a good way. You know, he's Cole Caulfield, he's something else. Tony Granato is something else too, but in a different way. Uh, it's so bad. And, you know, I just – Keandre Miller is one of the best prospects, I feel like, on the blue line. And they're still awful. I don't get how for three years running – They've been this awful and mismanaged. To to be fair, no it's excuse. not like Keandre is 
known for his defensive ability when being a top defensive prospect. That's true. It, it's more, I mean, but... he, he passed a puck to Alexi Lafreniere during the World Juniors, <laughs> and they are not on That's the same true. team. <laughs> That's true. But, man, I, I don't get how you can recruit to where you have 10, basically 10 NHL draft picks every single year, and you can't find three cognizant defensemen to fill out your roster. I, I don't get it. It's it's an embarrassment of riches, and they absolutely have no function to them at all. Yeah, um, I'm going to call my shot now. Uh, the year after they fire Granado, if they can bring in like a Mel Pearson-type guy who can come in and just clean the systems up and make a defensively responsible hockey team out of anybody – that's the year Wisconsin goes on a run where they almost win the Big Ten or go to a Frozen Four or something because they'll still have a roster from Granado, but with an actual coach. No disagreement. I totally agree. Okay, so Michigan gets a sweep. Michigan State gets a road split against a team they're probably directly competing with for the Big Ten from here on out. Now they meet. Uh, we've said that this is going to be the Michigan, biggest Michigan-Michigan State series uh, since when they played in the playoffs in the CCHA, and that has continued to ramp up. Um, it, let's get into it. Let's get a preview going. Uh, what's important for Michigan State here? So what I wrote down, I, mean, I think the biggest difference uh, this week is going to be the two Tommies. Uh, so I'm thinking about Tommy Apap and Tommy Miller. I, I know that it, you know, Kodorenko is going to find his way to be involved. I know Lewandowski can make a difference, but I also think that the matchup of a Jake Slater or a Will Lockwood or a Jimmy Lambert against those two guys is going to be crucial. Um, so Tommy Apap, the way he's going to make a big difference, he's going to he's one of the best face-off guys in the country. Friday night when you have last change, he needs to be doing as many defensive zone face-offs as possible. Uh, get that early possession, get moving up out, out of your own zone. Don't let Michigan have the continued, you know, pressure. Make them score with their one-off rushes up the ice. Um, so I think that's where Tommy Apat's going to make a difference. And then I would assume Tommy Miller is going to – they're going to try and get him matched up with Will Lockwood. Uh, when Will Lockwood's line is on the ice, they're going to want Tommy Miller out there as often as possible because I think he is the most sound – defensive defenseman on the entire roster um you know jared rosberg is probably slightly just slightly below him in my mind but i think since Ty miller is such a steady force for whoever he is out there with as a partner uh, i'd be interested to see who they line up with if it's going to be one of the krieger twins uh just because blue Kafari had a kind of a rough weekend in minnesota uh, i do wonder who Ty miller will play with but i think those two guys are going to be the difference between maybe a split or uh, I possibly get in that series sweep and season sweep, which they have the chance to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think those things are all important. Um, Michigan needs to get something from their power play, like literally anything. Against Ohio State, their power play was miserable. Not like they got to be on it very much, but still, when they were, it was miserable. It looked great against Wisconsin, but so would you and I if we were allowed on the ice. Um, so I'm, I don't have my hopes up too high, but I think 
for Michigan to get achieve their goal, which is walking away with six points after Monday night. They need something from the power play. Um, you need Strauss Mann to keep up the excellent level he has. And I think you need something, and I don't like getting into intangibles, um, but I think you need something that you lacked last time these two teams were out, which is just the, the laser focus, not to make any silly mistakes. Because Kodorenko got a goal directly off of a stupid pass in just, Michigan just zones. Just an awful turnover. Yeah, an yeah. awful turnover. There were a and couple, that really started the uh, that started the comeback, right? So I think that was the second goal that really. Uh, or was that the first goal? No, I believe that was the one that tied it because it was three to one. I think the three two one was in the second period. There was a sort of we had both agreed it was a very friendly bounce, and right. they were able to put it in. That made it three two. So I think the Kodorenko goal off the bad turnover made it three three, and then they got another. Obviously, um, so you, you just need to be super focused for this game cannot have any mental lapses especially with neither of them being in Yost but I'm hopeful because the last four road games this team has played have both been against teams that are in this jumbled up mix up for the for the title and they're 3-0-1 so they've been bringing that focus on the road I think we're gonna gonna kind of gonna have to count on them to do it again um do do we want to get straight into predictions then? How many points does each team take, or is there any other points you want to make before we get into that? No, no, I think predictions is fine. Yeah, let's get into that. I think uh, I, I think I'll probably go with a series split with Michigan winning the game uh, in Detroit on Monday. It just feels like Friday night um, again, kind of similar to what I mentioned with the Maryland game. You're gonna have uh, it's completely sold out. Uh, standing room only sold out as well so I think it's going to be a really really great atmosphere which we saw uh the last time when Munn was sold out for the Penn State game since then all that's happened is that there's been more and more momentum for the hockey team sticking around not falling off the pace and uh and you've got a new football coach that's going to be there to just ramp up the uh the the enthusiasm early on just a little little bit more so um I think they, they get the win Friday night, but then Michigan comes back and just does a uh, a pretty, you know, sound, like you said, sound job, laser focus, gets the win Monday playing, uh, playing exactly how they need to play. Yeah, I think that's a completely fair prediction. Um, however, I am feeling – You're going to call your shot. I, I am it. feeling the positivity with this hockey team for Michigan. I am all aboard the hype train. Johnny Beecher is playing like a different player. Will Lockwood's playing a different player. They're 6-1-1 one one in their last eight. That only true loss coming when they had two major penalties to kill that were both bullshit. And do the dates December 6th and 7th mean anything to you? Because that's, but... that's the last time that Michigan State got a sweep. They've split every series since. I really feel That's good true. about this. I'm calling my shot. Michigan with the six points, and um, I think it's going to be incredibly painful for you, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> oh, man. This this just sets up for a lovely show next week. Right? Oh, I know. <laughs> going to be great. Oh, man. I'm either going to be miserable. I don't think you'll be miserable. You have plenty of time to heal after, but 
me calling the shot. Uh, <laughs> I don't like getting ballsy like this, but, um, you know. No, you have every right. They are rolling. We've seen this story before with Mel Pearson and Red Barrington teams like Michigan. Just They get rolling, and they just – you think that they're going to hit that – the team that finally stops them, and they just keep going. So, uh, totally understand the, uh, the, uh, the positivity. I, I will say – Even in however, the one loss that you've had, you probably deserve to win. So I, even I will in the say, one loss you've had in this street. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, um, I think we'll know within – and I know about the comeback last time, and that is still capable of happening. I think we'll know if my prediction is going to be wrong 20 minutes in because with the way that the building's going to be, with it being sold out, Mel Tucker being introduced – if uh, if the Spartans get on top early, it might be suffocating. Um, but in the same light, if Michigan can shut up the crowd early, sometimes it can be hard to recover from that. Listen, so I, uh, I you know we've got a jam packed show, and I think we should probably end with uh, with a crowd favorite here, Brendan. And I just want to recap that what Brendan said is, if you get on top early. Uh, you can last long, but also, what else was it that you said, Brendan? There, what I'm saying, folks, is Rick Pitino. Uh, 